Life is one long journey made up of many detours. Some are chosen and some are not, but they all teach us something along the way. Welcome to the Detour Podcast, where conversations about life detours and travel detours converge. It's one part human experience and one part travel experience put together to teach and inspire us to take the detour and enjoy the wander. Welcome to fellow detourists and future detourists joining us on this journey today. Today we are talking with Liz Sutherland. She has got an amazing, amazing story of resilience, perseverance, and um, she shared that in her book called No Ordinary Liz. So Liz actually grew up with no identity. She has no memory of the first few years of her life outside of being dropped off at a stranger's house when she was a child. Liz and her siblings lived in an abusive home with a woman that they were told was their grandmother until Liz finally gathered the courage to call social services and rescue herself and siblings. The trouble is that that didn't lead to a happy ending. It thrust her into the foster care system and she was separated from her siblings. That was her big detour. She hoped for peace, but then spent years going from home to home in the system. Finally, at 18, she was on her own and she learned to survive and maintain hope. So her story, as I said, is shared in the book, No Ordinary Liz. Liz, you've got quite a story and I'm Pleased to meet you and welcome you to the show. Thanks for being here today and sharing this incredible story with us. You're welcome and thank you so much for having me. Okay, well, um, let's get started. Um, I haven't had a chance to read your book yet. I've, mm-hmm. I've um, been provided a excerpt which was riveting enough and I've had a little background um, on your story, but um, I guess kind of start at the beginning. Um, how how were the first few years of your life? And then what does that mean? You just got dropped off at a stranger's house. I know it sounds really crazy to uh, look back and listen to those words. Mm-hmm. But my earliest memory is, from a childhood perspective is, I would have to say, eight or nine years old. Wow. Um, from what I've learned um, growing up and through papers is that I came to the U.S. when I was five and uh, by a man who I thought was my father and dropped my brother, sister, and I off at his mother's house in North Carolina. Where did you come from? From Spain. Oh, okay. So quite the trek. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, And so he dropped us off and then disappeared. And I never saw him again. I I don't even remember him at all. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember the adventurous trip from Spain to America. Okay. Um, But... Knowing that he, you know, he dropped us off and... What we age was that for you? Five. About five. five. And your siblings are younger or older? So my brother is two years older than I. Okay. And then my sister is a year younger than me. Okay. So we're fairly close in age. So you're like four, five, six, seven, yes. age range, mm-hmm. three kids, the mm-hmm. three of you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're dropped off at this stranger's house to me. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, she was our grandmother at the at the time. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you more about that later on. But, um, you know, the the years following, 
was uh, very abusive. Um, she really didn't portray grandmother-like features. She mm-hmm. was more um, hands-off, always stayed in the bedroom. Um, and keep in mind, we lived in this little rustic trailer in a trailer park. Mm-hmm. And we all had to share the same bedroom, um, my siblings and I. And mm-hmm. then the grandmother, Martha, shared had her own bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just grew up in this home that an environment that we thought was good for us, but in reality it was really toxic. Yeah. So um, go into whatever detail you're comfortable with sharing, but um, was it, uh, there was one thing, you know, that the your fr- refrigerator was padlocked. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, you know, that it was more of a, like a neglect. She was hand hands off. Mm-hmm. So you were kind of left to fend for yourself, mm-hmm. but the refrigerator was padlocked. Was yeah. there physical abuse or um, emotional abuse? Yes. So we suffered um, a lot of emotional abuse and, um, you know, physical abuse um, with belts, with sticks, with fists, with hands, anything you could think of, you know, we endured. Um, and when you'd mentioned the padlock on the refrigerator, it really is true. She would not let us go to the refrigerator to get food. Um, We were very limited on what we could eat every single day, uh, what we could do. Um, Hanging out with friends didn't happen. If it did, normally we would try to sneak out, you know, like a normal, like normal kids would do. You'd want to play with some friends. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Did she just want to keep you in the house? Yes. Do you know why? No, I don't, mm-hmm. because she never spent time with us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, you know, she would always lock the door if we did sneak out or try to go have fun after school. Um, she would lock the door to the house where we couldn't come in. And this was like at 5.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. evenings. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times that was our bedtime. Wow. So, like, you know... If you weren't there, you're just locked then you're out of just the house. Out. And so, in a way, my siblings and I really enjoyed that because we got to go hang out with other <laughs> friends and spend more time with them. And um, it was that was the life. Mm-hmm. Um, you just ad- adapt to, like you said, when you're when you're growing up as a little kid, you and adults are controlling your mm-hmm. life. You often don't know that things aren't supposed to be that way until something shows you that they aren't did you did you start to see um maybe through friends maybe other parents or even at school was anybody aware of what was going on or did you start getting a clue that this isn't exactly normal like I don't know what's wrong but I learned early on I mean that's not the way you hit someone. Mm-hmm. You know, we were not bad kids, and I don't know. I mean, people can define bad in yeah. certain ways, but mm-hmm. I felt like we were just normal kids mm-hmm. that didn't require that kind of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew right away that, hey, I mean, when I was old enough to realize what was going on, that this is not okay. And we were surrounded in a trailer park with a lot of neighbors that obviously knew that the situation was not a good one either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they always invited us to their house, tried to give us food, uh, sneak us, 
you know, snacks. And even when we went to school, you go to school with, you know, bruises and scratches and you're bleeding or whatever mm -hmm. the signs are that shows, hey, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, there were signs everywhere that we were in some sort of trouble at home. Mm -hmm. um, so no yeah, one intervened, though, in any kind of way of calling authorities or anything on your behalf? Oh, yeah, there was a lot of calling. Oh. And there was a lot of visits from DSS that came out. Um, sometimes they were accompanied by police, you know, like mm -hmm. a sheriff's car. Mm -hmm. um, but we were always threatened by Martha that if we were to say, hey, yes, we were abused, that once they left, we would really get it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, who wants more abuse on right. top of what you've got? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you just kind of kept so your mouth kinda, shut. And yeah. She came up with some reason mm -hmm. for why you had bruises or whatever, and yeah, there was not enough for them to do anything. Right. Well, eventually, we I know from from your book that you did wind up getting help. So, um, you finally decided to to call and try to get help for you mm -hmm. on your own. Was there something that happened that prompted that? Oh yes. Um, you know. There's so much that can just a, a mind can take, mm -hmm. and I just remember that one day where I was like, I'm so tired of people coming and trying to get us and try to relieve us from this place mm -hmm. that I need to do something because nothing's getting done. And at the time, now fast forward, mm -hmm. I was 13, so I was okay. more aware of what's going on, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that this is not okay. And I was just tired. Mm -hmm. I was just exhausted of everything. Yeah. And one day I was washing dishes and I happened to look up and I just, you know, saw my grandmother, a.k.a. Martha, mm -hmm. try, um, was doing something really bad with my siblings mm -hmm. to the extent I had had enough. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember that I just dropped the dish that I had in my hand. And I ran out the door, and I just ran to the nearest travel park um, home that I could. Mm -hmm. And I just knocked. I mean, I was pounding on the door, and I was like, I need some, I need some help. Mm -hmm. Because I, I didn't know what this woman was capable of doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen what she could do, and I'm, I didn't want to lose a sibling right. at her, at the wrath of her hands, you know? Yeah. And so I was, you know, at this neighbor's house, and I said, I need to call, I need to call for help. Like, this woman is, you know, I'm tired of her abusing me, mm -hmm. my siblings, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I need you to call the number for DSS. Mm -hmm. And, I, I mean, you would probably think, why does a 13-year-old, that's the first thing they're saying to a neighbor. Yeah. But when you've had so much and you've seen yeah. so much, it's mm -hmm. like, enough is enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, during all this time, too, my siblings and I... Uh, would pick blackberries on a, on the side of the road mm -hmm. um, to sell for school supplies because we didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. And I was so tired of having to ask people to borrow a piece of paper, a pen, a pencil. You know, I wanted just to feel some sort of normalcy. Excuse me. So um, we had been doing that. And so when I talked to the caseworker, or whoever was on the other end of the line, mm -hmm. I said, this is where we're going to be. There's three kids that's on the side of the road picking blackberries, 
you can't miss us. Mm-hmm. And normally we're there, it's the same pattern every day because we want to get out of that trailer. Yeah. Um, and it was on a weekend. And so um, I didn't know if they were going to take me seriously or not. But I just knew I had to do something. Mm-hmm. And so sure enough, the next day we were picking blackberries. And some somewhere throughout the day, the time frame that we were out there, there was a car that pulled off on the side of the road. And when she, she got out, she was really nicely dressed. And she was like, you know, I'm Mary from the Department of Social Services, and I'm here to help you. Okay. So did she take you right then? Well, actually, you know what? Um, tell us this. Read the excerpt from your from your book. She had to take you back to your home to get your yes. belongings and mm-hmm. things like that. Which wasn't that much. Yeah. Um, but I was so mad because I was like, I don't want to go back to her house, you know? Cause I bet you were terrified that for some reason she would try she to would keep say, us like, no, this is ridiculous and they're lying or or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, for the fact maybe that you had called and there had been other reports mm-hmm. and you're now saying, you're confirming what maybe they saw before but couldn't prove right. mm-hmm. um, might have been the difference mm-hmm. where they're like, okay, we're, we're taking you guys. So read, read the um, excerpt from your book where you go back for your stuff. Sure. <clears throat> Martha stood in the kitchen, the Marlboro in her right hand, dropping ash on the linoleum floor. Who are you? Anger flooded her face. I don't remember all the details of that day, I remember Mary introducing herself and saying she was here to take us. I remember Mary telling us to pack our bags while she argued with Martha. And I remember running through the hallway with my arms full of the few shirts, shoes, and pants I had owned, along with a single stuffed bear. I started to cry, but not because I was sad to be leaving, but because I was getting out of that abyss of pain and neglect. My siblings and I were leaving, finally. I looked in the storage closet to find a bag, but all I saw was a pile of bright orange bags. They were sturdy and thick, the kind made for the State Department for prisoners to fill with trash and debris from the side of the road. My belongings only filled the bottom of the bag. I did one final sweep of the trailer to make sure I wasn't leaving any part of me behind and then I slung the bag over my shoulder. As I was about to open the front door to step towards my future, Martha groused. Where do you think you're going, young lady? I sat my orange trash bag on the stained tan carpet. What are you talking about? You're not going anywhere. That woman can take your brother and sister, but you're staying right here with me. I quacked at the sound of her voice. Then I suddenly realized everything had changed. So I let her words literally go in one ear and out the other. I picked up my trash bag, took one look at her and said, the only people I've ever loved just walked out of this front door. I'm going where they are. And I walked out of that single wide trailer for the last time. Wow, Liz, wow. So what was that moment must have been frightening and hopeful all at the same time. I bet a lot of different feelings for you. Do you remember um, oh, I what was, that was like? I mean, I was angry. I, there was so many emotions. Mm-hmm. I was sad. I was happy. Um, I had a feeling, though, because 
she the way she used me throughout the years it was like I was there for everything I mean I you know I was her right hand and mm-hmm. didn't want to be mm-hmm. and I had a feeling that she would try to keep me if mm-hmm. something was to happen mm-hmm. and I was not allowed I was not letting that You're happen. like nope <laughs> I was like I see my way out and I'm not staying here. I don't mm-hmm. want to feel like I'm your prisoner, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like. Yeah. These, those four walls was just... And I found that so ironic that the bag that you grabbed, that really struck me that the bag that you're just loading up this little bit that you had mm-hmm. was, was like a prisoner bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that just struck me um, that that's what it wound up being, one of those orange mm-hmm. trash sacks yes you know, and you know how use. big those are yeah mm-hmm. and i mean we they're like a big duffel almost yes. yeah and but. i mean we i just remember we didn't have that many clothes mm-hmm. clothing mm-hmm. and it barely even filled the bottom of the bag so i mean mm-hmm. whenever i was walking out i had part of the bag all just twisted because yeah there was nothing nothing really to fill it, it up yeah but what was in it was mine yeah and I, you know i didn't care what it was you know that was mine and I could walk away with it. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened, um, after, after that, um, was it a happy ending? No. Well, <laughs> I mean, I in never, one way it but... was, and I'd never heard of the foster care system. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I did, that's how I knew where we were at that time, but I really didn't fully understand it. Mm-hmm. But I knew it had to be better than the situation I was in. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment, they took my brother, sister, and I away. And we all ended up at the uh, Department of Social Services facility. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that we had parked there, but then we weren't moving or doing anything. And what I'd realized was there was another car coming up. And... They took my brother, but left my bro- my sister and I together in the other car. And when I asked what was going on, they were saying, you know, they were taking him one direction and we were going another, that we would get to stay in the touch. The boys and girls were going to be separated. Yeah. Um, and so I was so confused, but yet I was like, okay, I'm going to see my brother again. But very rarely did I get to see my brother again it was like it just seemed like such a fast whirlwind from there you know my sister and I went to a group home and then still didn't know where my brother was going didn't know anything haven't even talked to him and my sister and I was at a group home for about a week and then we were moving so I began quickly to realize that oh my gosh like I'm really bouncing and I'm you might lose, lose my track stability. of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at least at Martha's, we did have stability because we all were together. Mm-hmm. And now I'm losing the stability and I'm losing the siblings that I grew up and I loved. And they were my everything. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like we were all torn, torn apart. And even though I was with my sister for a week, then gradually, you know, we went into foster homes together. But then it just kind of separated us. And I kept moving further, further away, out of state. And with that meant less communication, less seeing. Um, and it was just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? You so know? did that feel like, oh, you know, like you said, we, 
you had no you had no good choice mm-hmm. because you know you stay all together and you're getting abused in this mm-hmm. horrible situation but then you leave trying to probably save your own mm-hmm. lives if not your own but your siblings right. because at some point it she could have killed you she could have um so now you're now but now you're all separate and you're thinking oh no you know what what did i do yeah Mm -hmm. yeah did i make i mean for a long time i lived with that guilt Mm. you know and i'm like but why should i feel that way Mm -hmm. i was doing what was best for all of us Mm -hmm. um but i just you know i just kept living i'm like okay well, if this is what my life's going to be like, then then here, give it to me. And um, fast forward, so, you know, 13 when I was in foster care. And from the time that I was 13 till I was 18, I'd been in between 10 to different group homes, um, approximately about three or four different schools. So you could imagine the stability I was really feeling. Mm-hmm. I felt really disconnected. You know, I was just in a in a place where I was like, no sense of security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. just where are you going? Right. What days today? And and yeah. I mean, you're in and out of these homes, and I'm. I for a long time I was like, these people don't know me. I'm just here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just you know a person in their environment, letting me sleep in their bed. Did you develop relationships with any of the homes that you stayed in? Some I did. There was a couple of uh, group homes that I was in where they, it just felt like they were warehouse children. I mean, there was one home that had, I would say, almost 10 kids. Wow. And we were sleeping in the floors. We were on the couches. The foster parents would always hibernate out in their bedroom. And I'm like, you know, where's the relationship building Mm -hmm. piece? You're like, okay, I already, <laughs> all right, so this is maybe a step up. Like, I already right. done this yes. with the neglect. I'm not getting, mm-hmm. ab- you, you weren't getting abused, but there was still neglect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it was just a different form. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, it was just like so surreal to me. And during these times, you know, these years, I did not have the connections with my brother and sister. Um, and as I began to move, I mean, eventually I started moving where it was two hours away mm-hmm. from where I was from. Mm-hmm. So trying to get someone to drive or commute for the visitation with your siblings was kind of hard because mm-hmm. that's a half a day mm-hmm. or longer just to make it happen. And right. so that was And especially just... if you're living somewhere that, that's got multiple kids yeah. where mm-hmm. they're just like, well, we can't be catering to everybody's, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, needs and wants kind yes. of thing. Like we're providing a roof and, and food and, mm-hmm. you know, an environment. But, um, yeah, I can see that that would be tough. So, um you stayed in foster care all the way until 18, mm-hmm. and then I guess at 18 you age out, right? Yes. How's and that So, um, you know, the last foster home that I was in, um, I did stay with, and the, and the couple was, like, more elderly, um, and they were a pastor and pastor's wife. So I, I did feel a little bit of... But, you know, like I was part of their family. Mm-hmm. More support. But, you know, they had grandkids, and you still feel that jealousy. And, and you know, it wasn't my home. Mm-hmm. Even though I was there and I stayed there, it just didn't feel like my home. I was just like missing. Like you belonged. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
So I was there, I ended up there for four years. Um, they, they wanted, Department of Social Services wanted to actually move me probably two weeks prior to graduating um, high school. And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. I was like trying to fight and say, why? Why, yeah. why Give move me? Give me two weeks, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ended up letting me stay. And uh, for, I don't know for whatever reason. Um, so that I could graduate with uh, my class mm-hmm. and have that experience. Mm-hmm. And so I graduated on June 4th. On June 9th, I turned 18. And on June 10th, I was on my own in an apartment. Wow. Did they set you up an apartment? Like, how, what, so how does that happen? I mean, where one day, like, here you are, you're 18, okay. Well, and back then. Here's, here's, (laughs) here's life, go get it. Well, and back then, I mean, you know, the foster, the Department of Social Services did stay in touch with me for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I did get like a stipend for a couple weeks to kind of help me, but. I got the apartment on my own. Mm. I mean, I worked. I started working when I was 14 at Hardee's and McDonald's. I mean, I worked everywhere because I wanted that part. I wanted that independence Mm -hmm. and wanted to make my own money. And I saved enough to buy my car, my first car and Mm -hmm. insurance. And because I looked at that stuff and I'm like, normally normal, and I'm putting Mm -hmm. quotes, families pay for their kids insurance and help mm-hmm. them along the way mm-hmm. but I don't have that mm-hmm. and if I sit around and wait and pout and be like I I want that but how do I get it then I'm not going to have a car yeah. I'm not going to have anything that requires me to move forward with my life mm-hmm. so I just was like hey here I am here's mm-hmm. my life let me go after it mm-hmm. and so it was really neat to save money and, and mm-hmm. figure out what car I wanted mm-hmm. and Looking back, I mean, it was like an, an old Ford station wagon. Oh, gosh, I know. We all start out with those yeah, clunkers. But like, not like today. <laughs> I don't know how old you are, but, you know, not not like, I mean, I see kid cars that, and even my own kids drive pretty good yeah. cars now, but it's like, I think about mine, which was could barely make it down right. the road and it didn't really go over 40 and no but it <laughs> one was... of my boyfriends like the f- he didn't have a floorboard and <laughs> the win- the right window wouldn't go down yeah. and <laughs> but it was mine yes and yeah. I paid for it and I was proud of that car and I mean yes I was a little embarrassed like a couple times that I drove it to school but mm-hmm. you know who cared yeah because right you're like I worked for this car and And it's mine yeah Mm -hmm. so I mean I had that car for a long time Mm -hmm. but it's funny to think about thinking back now what car I had (laughs) um but no so I ended up uh you know graduating high school I did lose the services from um, getting the stipend Mm -hmm. I had no furniture um I moved in with luckily the foster family let me keep the bed that I had Mm. and a couple of dishes but other than that I had nothing like in my living room I remember I had like little blow um blow up chairs yeah just something yeah and the smallest tv Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah I mean I did it 
And I do remember, because I, I had no idea how to balance a checkbook. I had no idea how to really live. Right. I was going to say, how do you think you were just sort of, were you born or you developed this? I've heard you say twice now, you know, okay, this is my life. And I, if I'm, if I'm, you know, I've just got to live it. And this is uh-huh. kind of like the cards I've been dealt. Uh-huh. Like they stink. Right. But what choice do I have right. in a sense? Some people have those things and, and, and it, 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 they, it keeps them from moving forward uh-huh. or they turn to drugs or they turn to alcohol or they, or they believe that worthless Mm-hmm. You know that they're worthless, and you know I must be garbage because mm-hmm. everyone treats me like garbage. Where where do you think your perseverance in that okay attitude? Well, when I realized from you know, hey, I'm I'm it's just me. I mean, if you think about it, it was me and nobody else. I mean, I had no sink mother, or swim, right? No father, yeah. No relatives, no siblings. It was literally, literally me against the world. Mm. And yes, I could again sink into being a pouty person and just say, well, then here I, I'm just going to give up. Mm-hmm. But I'm not perfect. And I did, you know, re- you know, turn to drugs and not so much alcohol. But I, you know, I thought friends that I was hanging out with at the time mm-hmm. were my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I relied heavily on other people mm-hmm. until I realized, you know, with the drugs, luckily it was something I didn't get addicted to mm-hmm. because I realized in my mind, I'm like, this is not who I am. Deep yeah, down, I'm not doing not the right thing. I you kind of got sucked in there for right. a little bit and then you're like, wait a minute, this right. isn't this isn't me. And so I just, I don't know. I think it's just sink or swim. That was my motto. And I was not afraid to ask for help because I think people that ask for help are stronger people than people that don't. And I say that because someone out there was willing to help you. Yeah, you've got to humble yourself to ask, right? Yeah, Yeah, so that does take strength. Yes, and I realized that you know, what happened to me was none of... I didn't ask for any of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not my fault that I'm in the situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. But I do have control of how it ends, mm-hmm. you know, or the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept thinking about that. And I wanted what everybody else had. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you shouldn't think of that. But like, and I always say I wanted to feel normal. But then I, d- I don't like that word because... Right, there is, is no normal. normal. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah. Maybe just, typical is a better <laughs> right. word, you know, t- what mm-hmm. typical or, or yeah, what, what a, a majority of right. people have or seem to have. Yeah. yeah. And um, I would, I mean, I would ask neighbors. I, I remember asking a neighbor, how do I fill this checkbook out? How do I write a check? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't care because... I'm learning, mm-hmm. and I'm learning through the help of strangers. Mm-hmm. And you needed to know, right? And if mm-hmm. you, you know, if you don't know, you got to find somebody mm-hmm. who does know or figure out a way. Yeah. So you you didn't have you're you're in this apartment. You're doing it all yourself. You're you're asking some friends and things like that. Um, but you wound up getting a job at Walmart, and you say that that name badge that you wore 
gave you a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes Walmart gets a bad rap and we think <laughs> like, oh gosh, gotta go to Walmart. Sometimes right. I say like, I'm going to Walmart mm -hmm. to practice being a Christian mm -hmm. today, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but you found a, um, a family there, mm -hmm. I guess, in your words. How, tell us about that. I know, it sounds crazy. Um, but I was in probably my second year at a community college. So I want to hone in that I, you know, I graduated high school, but I never lost sight of edu getting my education. Mm -hmm. And I went to a community college um, nearby. And I was so tired, I guess, at the time working at McDonald's. And so I'm like, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. And I discovered Walmart. And I that was a place I would never imagine falling in love with. Yeah. Uh, and I say that because I loved how Walmart brought out the good in me. Oh, okay. And it was helping me become a better individual because of, I was all over the floor. I got to, to learn more about leadership and learn what it was like for relationship peace building mm -hmm. and just the connections. And customer service customers, also employee, yes. employee mm -hmm. you know team team mm -hmm. playing and I felt yeah. connected there mm. because and believe it or not I had the best years of my life working there nice so one day um, it something in me just kind of turned for the better and I started seeing people a little differently working on the floors mm -hmm. and I saw that I would just gravitate to certain people all the time mm -hmm. and there was this door greeter named George who I just consulted with a lot I would just stand up there and talk to him um, or I would just hang out with him in the break room seeking advice and I noticed that I would do that with multiple people mm -hmm. uh, a woman in um, you know the sew department someone in produce and I begin to realize these people are kind of like family like mm -hmm. the family I never had mm -hmm. so George was the older gentleman who was kind of like the grandfather that I always wanted mm -hmm. um, Sue in the so so department was like a grandmother mm -hmm. you know so I started seeing these people mm -hmm. that was trying to fill in gaps that I mm -hmm. had mm -hmm. and one day while I was working, I'd never been asked to work at the service desk, but someone uh, had called in and I was filling her spot. And at the time, I was about two weeks from graduating the community college and I was kind of living out of my car, just wherever I could. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends had called me and I was on the phone with her at the service desk while there was a break in customers. And I was just telling her, hey, and I started begin crying that, hey, I don't have anywhere to live. And So you no longer had your apartment at this no. point? You had lost your apartment? No, okay. yeah. And you'll you'll learn more in the book yeah. why the gap. happened. Mm -hmm. um, but so there was a lady who was working with me, overheard the conversation. Mm -hmm. And she was politely, when I hung up, of course I was crying and I'm like, what do I do? And she's like, I've already called my husband, and we would like to schedule some time with you after work, go to an ice cream shop. We have a furnished basement 
um, at our house that we would love to open up to you to help you get on your feet for a couple of days. Wow. And I'm like, are you serious? You know, like, yeah. I was just like, what? Yeah, like, who, who does <laughs> this? You've probably, like, had little experience with this right. kind of just yes. love and care, right? Well, it was a total stranger. I'd never yeah. seen her before. And, I mean, you know, Walmart, you think we would have crossed paths, but we mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Oh, wait, so she was an employee, but you didn't really... No, she was an employee, but I never saw her. Oh, okay, okay. She just worked some other shift Shifts. or time yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. So she worked for Walmart, mm-hmm. but she wasn't, like, one of your coworkers no. and, that you knew. Mm-mm. And so I was like, I was taken back, and I'm like, is this for real? You know, like, Mm -hmm. you still have to be cautious. And so I did. I agreed to meet, and I ended up staying with them not just a couple of days, but it turned out four years. (gasps) Wow. Yes, and I still stay in touch with them today. Wow. So you continued to finish your schooling. Did you go on after the community college? I did. Yeah. And um, I was like looking at colleges and having that experience. And uh, the husband kind of helped me find some scholarships with uh, Orphan Foundation of America out of D.C. It's pretty crazy when I look back and think about the journey I mean, you never know what path you're supposed to be on. Mm-hmm. And the people that are Will on show it. up. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's pretty crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So you had detour on upon detour yeah. upon detour. Mm-hmm. And then just along that way, yeah, things are provided mm-hmm. for you. And I, um, you know, I stayed with them the four years. But I ended up going to a commu- uh, university, Western Carolina. Mm-hmm. And Silva, North, well, it's Colowee, mm-hmm. North Carolina. It's a little small town tucked away in the mountains. And um, that turned out to be, again, another best time of my life. Mm-hmm. I never thought in a million years that I would have enjoyed college. And for a long time, and to be honest, I really looked at college as more of a stability mm-hmm. angle because A, I had a roof over my head, mm-hmm. and B, I had food, mm-hmm. so I was covered, you know, mm-hmm. and for four years, I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. and of course, I rung up my student loans, but hey, at the time, I didn't care, because yeah. it was awesome, but it, you know. What did you wind up studying? So, I wanted to go to school to be a crime scene investigator. Oh. Yes, uh, and actually, cybercrime, so... I ended up going and getting a degree in computer information systems and criminology. Nice. But today I'm not doing crime scene. No. What do no. you do? To, so you're not. Are you? You're not still working for Walmart? No. All right. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I did give Walmart a good five years, but yeah. uh-huh. I just kind of felt like it was time. Time to move, to move on, on somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. So um, what do you do now? So today I work for uh, a professional services firm, and I get to do a lot of creativity in my work building presentations and templates and you know just connecting with people mm-hmm. um I really love it mm-hmm. and I'm always a believer that if you enjoy what you do that it's not work yeah so yeah. that's been my motto good so you found a good a good sweet mm-hmm. spot um how I mean you kind of said you know that it was sort of like the, the sink or swim um, 
and your story is very positive and, and, and I love that it has, you know, this successful, happy ending, but I can't, I can imagine that we're, we're making it, we're tying it up with a nice tidy bow, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that there were some days where, um, you probably had and maybe still do because fight those feelings of like, why was I not wanted? I didn't have a family. You know, you, Mm -hmm. when you're a little kid, you, you learn so much and build so much about who you think you are Mm -hmm. based on what happens to you in that Mm -hmm. nuclear family. And since you didn't really have one and the family figures that you did have were not good to you, Mm -hmm. wasn't loving. You didn't really get that until you were an adult. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have feelings still or struggles with trusting or um, having good relationships or your own self-esteem or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. But what's ironic about it is I, um, building relationships is one of my strongest suits. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because you would think, how? Why? Mm -hmm. Um, But I have a good read on people. Mm -hmm. I know the distance I need to keep. Um, and my trust issues are very on point. Like I, you know, I don't trust everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I only keep people that I know are good people in my circle, mm-hmm. but I'm kind to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's crazy is people will, um, learn about my story and they're like, how are you the way you are? Yeah. It's and amazing it's just, to me right now. Like, how are you not like super needy and you no. know what I mean? And just untrusting and like the world is garbage and you know, no, because, the people in it are because uh, can't be trusted. And it's not the world. I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I shouldn't be mad at the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the world's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not people that tried to help help me's fault yeah i mean you know i don't look around and try to blame people because mm-hmm. where, where where does that get me mm-hmm. and i just realized and i've accepted that this is my life mm-hmm. um and what happened to me as i mentioned earlier was not my fault mm-hmm. and having that clarity has helped me move forward mm-hmm. and have the life that i want mm-hmm. i mean who's going to stop me from having a life Right. You know, I mean, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I don't give up. Mm-hmm. I try to fight for what I believe in. And um, I, you only get one life to live. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to live it with regrets and live it with blaming others. Mm-hmm. Like I want to live it full of positivity and, you know, be thankful that I can breathe every day and, and have the tangible things that I have. Mm-hmm and work and have a car and and have the relationships because Mm -hmm. not having parents um for a long time I I was really thinking oh my gosh what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. um but there's nothing wrong with me Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. you know circumstances didn't work out um and luckily you know I want to thank all the foster homes that I was in because I could have ended up somewhere that I could not come back from yeah you know Mm -hmm. and at least these people gave up a bed for me Mm -hmm. and opened up their homes and some maybe their hearts Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm very full of gratitude and they always say that you should never talk to a stranger stranger Mm -hmm. but strangers 
are the people that have guided me mm-hmm. the most through life. And so I think I think a stranger. Yeah. You're like, this is, you can have a healthy boundary and, and that good discernment about if this person, you know, mm-hmm. but you, you don't let um, those worries stop you from, because right. again, everybody's a stranger and you are a stranger to me until yeah. right. an hour ago or however long we've right. been, you know. But you can, but, tr- you can yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you can trust your gut, you can trust people, you can, as far as you want to take it. But just know there's always going to be boundaries in everything you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, unfor- you know, unfortunately, a lot of stories don't have the outcome that I have. And I want That's... to try to do whatever I can and share my story and help them have a good path, you know. Is that how you decided to start writing this book, uh, No Ordinary Liz? Mm-hmm. Yes, because we all have a story, Mm -hmm. and I love hearing everybody's stories, whatever path they've come on, you know, whatever journey that's taken them to where they are today, good or bad. And we all come from, you know, maybe some not-so-happy childhoods, Mm -hmm. Um, but I wanted to share my story, and it wasn't easy to put your whole self out there. Um, but I realized, again, it's no longer my story. Mm-hmm. It's all of these, you know, youth in the foster care system story. Mm-hmm. Because I've already written my story, and it's still continuing. Yeah. But they are just starting out on theirs. And so whatever I can do to help bring awareness and educate people mm-hmm. um, about the foster care system and the good, the bad, the ugly, then that's what I want to do. I want to well, bring... that's what I was going to ask. Um, is part of your life, you know, obviously you've got a job and, and other things. I don't know, are you in a relationship or married mm-hmm. or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, so you've, you're forming your own little family right. now. Um, and I also want to know if you wound up reconnecting with your siblings. But before you say that part, um, on the foster care thing, um, do you do work with them? Are you a speaker for them? Or how how do you help? Um, obviously through your book, mm-hmm. but... Yes, yeah, so um, I've really come full circle in the foster care system. Just recently I got asked to be uh, have a seat with the board of director, directors mm-hmm. um, with Eckerd Connects. And so they're the lead foster care agency here in Tampa and surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I have a voice that I can try to help these kids. Um, and I also, I did do Guardian at Latum for five years. I uh-huh. kind of took a pause on that mm-hmm. just to kind of do the book yeah. and just kind of share my story there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a very big advocate for these youth. Mm-hmm. I want to help them and help them succeed and help them find them, you know, you can be the stranger in their life yes. that gives them hope that they can um, mm-hmm. persevere and keep on because, going. Because, you know, and I always, always say this, and to every, you know, when I get to do speaking events um, towards the youth, that I always tell them that they're loved, that they should know that the circumstances and the situations that they're in is not their fault, 
and that they deserve a life. I mean, just because you're in foster care does not make you any different than anyone else that's mm-hmm. living a, quote, normal life. Yeah, you know? an ordinary life. An ordinary you're life. A, you're a no, no ordinary Liz. Yes. Um, and so, you, you, yeah, you definitely didn't have an ordinary um, upbringing. Okay, so tell me the, the siblings. I know it goes into detail in the book, but I just got to know, did you eventually find them? Yes, I did. And that's, that's the beauty of this story is the way that we all came back together is mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to give any spoilers because in the book it really details... Um, how 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 yeah how that happened and it's really pretty amazing awesome Mm -hmm. and everybody's still in touch today um yes with my sister i am Mm -hmm. my brother not so much but Mm -hmm. i know that he is alive Mm -hmm. and he's got his own family and he's doing well so um that's all i can ask for great yeah and I, I I can imagine now I'm just curious about what what path that they took um, mm-hmm. as well. Is there any of that in the book, or is that kind of their own kind story of. to tell? Yes. Will you encourage them maybe? Yeah, <laughs> to write their own version, right? Yes. And what's cool though is I've just <clears throat> discovered that I have another brother out there. Oh, wow! So that's my um, my next hopefully maybe part two of the book. There you uh, go. On the journey of discovering and finding him. So cool, cool. Where can people get this book if they want to read it? So it's on Amazon and it's on Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. And you can search by my last name, Elizabeth Sutherland, or by the title No Ordinary Liz. And it's published through Now Publishing. At now Publishing. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, Liz, it was so great to meet you today. Your story is amazing. You've you've inspired me, and and you've um you know kind of given me a little bit of a don't be such a whiny butt um, <laughs> message today. Like, man, you know, when you think you have a hard life, mm-hmm. um, you hear stories like yours, and you think, okay, yeah, I had some struggles, but it could always be worse someone mm-hmm. has always got it worse someone had it worse than you right. and I know that that's what you were alluding to earlier that yeah it wasn't ideal but you could have been in way worse situations that some of right. these other kids were in mm-hmm. and so um thank you for sharing your story today everybody please go get Liz's book No Ordinary Liz again it's at Amazon um, through now publishing or Barnes and Noble, and you can um, search that. If you are interested in having her come speak, or you want to reach out for some other reason, maybe you want to help promote her book in some way, um, you can follow her on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, and my handles for all are the same, which is at No Ordinary Liz. At No Ordinary List. Okay, we'll also put those links with the information from the podcast. Liz, thank you so much for doing this today. I was a pleasure to meet you and to hear your story. I'm very proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You can follow, interact, and ask questions about this episode and others on our Facebook page, The Detour Podcast, and on Instagram at Sheila Shinsky. 
To hear more conversations like this one, you can listen to all of our episodes on the Detour Podcast channel on Podbean. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. So be sure to share this episode with a friend who loves podcasts too. And rate, comment, and subscribe yourself. So you can join us next time as we take the detour and enjoy the wander.